Hi, and welcome to the Canada's History Podcast. This is a special educator series where we speak with the finalists for the 2018 Governor General's History Award for Excellence in Teaching. Created in 1996, the award recognizes best practices in teaching Canadian history. It's an opportunity to highlight the important work that teachers and students are doing to research, interpret, and share the stories of the past. My name is Joanna Dawson, and today we're speaking with Karen lenigan Perfit, a high school teacher at Bracebridge and Muskoka Lakes Secondary School in Bracebridge, Ontario. Karen created a museum project for her grade 9-10 French Immersion Canadian History class. After visiting a few museums and exploring virtual exhibits, students were tasked with selecting a series of artifacts to curate their own exhibit around a theme of their choice. The students wrote a research paper explaining their choice of artifacts and also built miniature exhibits or dioramas which were put on display for students to view. Thanks for speaking with me today, Karen, and congratulations on being a finalist for this year's Governor General's History Award for Excellence in Teaching. Oh, thank you, Joanna. I'm thrilled (laughs) to be here. So first of all, can you introduce yourself a little bit more and tell us about your school and the students you teach? Sure. Um, Our school is a small school. We're a northern Ontario town in college country. So for those who don't know, Muskoka is is one of those places that's 200,000 strong in the summer and 20,000 strong the rest of the time. We have about 800 students, um, 30 of whom travel through their four years in high school doing French immersion. And those are the students who I've been teaching in this grade nine. It's a grade 10 history course that has grade nines in it because of the French immersion component. Um, I've been teaching for 30 years and my background is in French and history. Wow. Okay. So before we get into the project, could you tell us a little bit about how the idea came about or what inspired you to develop this? A friend of mine was a teacher in the area, and she's a historian. She has a PhD in archaeology. And when she retired, she began working for Bethune House Museum, which is a small local museum dedicated to Norman Bethune, about 20 minutes south of where I work in Gravenhurst. In 2012, they received a big grant to actually put a visitor center on the original house and did quite a lot of consultation around the kinds of things that would go into the exhibit. And I became really interested in what the process is for deciding um, how to actually build exhibits in a museum. And of course, it also turns out that many of my students have been hired by the student house because they're bilingual, and it's actually run by Parks Canada, so it's a great career path for the kids. Very cool. Okay, so then can you take us through the project and describe the activities that the students complete? Mm-hmm. So the first thing that I say is you need a shoebox. That tends to get everyone's attention. Um, <laughs> it's a combination of technology and hands-on. It, they rarely get to build stuff with their bare hands kind of thing yeah. in grade 10, but that's actually when they have some skill at it. So they build these wonderful little dioramas of their actual exhibit, um, how you would get into it, what you would see if you were there, and they're in miniature. Um, we actually went to a museum in Lyon called Musée de la Miniature, which has all different miniatures in it. So they saw um, that that's actually an aspect of of, uh, working in a museum. They build a reference page to show how museums actually catalog their artifacts. And then they have to source the artifacts from around the world, basically just, and the online resources are so great now, all the museums have their their, uh, collections online. So um, one of the ones I use to show them how to do that is in the Cord Museum in Montreal. They have a really good online collection, and it's really well cataloged. And then 
they do a historical analysis piece where they they look at some of the bigger ideas behind, you know, why uh, are they actually putting those objects in there rather than just, you know, I've just chosen them because I like them or they all sort of fit with the theme. They actually have to sort of analyze the reasons or the big ideas behind that. Wonderful. So tell us a little bit more about that piece, this, the historical thinking. Um, So what are some of the sorts of questions they're thinking about as they either select their artifacts or their themes? And how do you encourage them to, to think historically? And that's actually the piece that um, that we almost have to do first. So I get them all excited about what they're going to build because they're kids. <laughs> but you almost have to think about that first. Otherwise, the artifacts don't kind of match the thinking. So we have a series of charts um, with things on it like, you know, what are the hidden causes of historical events, um, that kind of thing. And it's a, a series of charts that we then base our own charts on them. So um, the idea behind them is... It's a sort of thought-provoking, big historical picture kind of question that you can modify. Um, you know, how do past events affect the present? Um, what causes us to repeat historical mistakes? Um, something technological um, that may have started as something negative that then turns into something positive or vice versa. Those kinds of ideas. And we turn them, we use them in the ancient history course, in this course, and in our media course, which is basically also turned into a history course. So they analyze those ideas, but they use um, the actual objects to expand. So if I want to change in women's roles, let's say one of my students made a diorama of a 1950s um, technology, like what women would have had access to after World War II that did not exist before. And so what she was trying to get at was the idea that many of these things reduced the amount of time women needed to spend basically running their home, which freed them up to do other things. And she connected that to the 1960s and the women's movement. And, you know, you wouldn't necessarily think of something positive coming out of mustard gas, but my young man in cadets who built a little diorama around uh, the history of cadets in Canada he looked at the idea of mustard gas turning into chemotherapy and, and the sort of how technology is invented for one thing that can morph into something else, which fed really well into our media course. Okay. And we should clarify um, that they're selecting real artifacts that exist in, in museums and they're sort of curating their own exhibit, right? Oh, absolutely. The the artifact in their little reference page, they actually have to make a chart. So they have an image of what the thing is. They have to state what it's made from, where it was found, whose collection it's in. So it has to be a real artifact in a real museum. I made a couple of exceptions. I had kids that actually had family artifacts that they wanted to use. And if they had enough information about them, we let them include those as well. But I limited it. I said, you know, maximum two of those because it got slightly nightmarish trying to actually track down what the thing was. So. So another interesting aspect is that uh, when they put them on display and then they they have to respond to um, other students' work, right? And try mm-hmm. to connect mm-hmm. connect them to their themes. So could you tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about that process? Well, you know, as a teacher, you're basically a magpie. So uh, what I found the easiest was to go to the museums themselves. So if you built uh, a diorama of... Um, you know, uh, that you wanted to to sell as an exhibit, you had to tell us what museum you were selling it to. So if you were selling it to the Natural History Museum, then you had to tell us why would this diorama be something they'd be interested in? Because there's a business part of museums too that kids are are not really aware of. So 
we went to the mission statements on the museums and actually had a look at what they said. And that really made it easy to connect different dioramas together. They got away from trying to connect necessarily the content of the diorama and it put them back towards that historical thinking. Um, There's an author called Murray White and it's W-H-Y-T-E and he writes for the Toronto Star and he did a big series on Indigenous art and artifacts in museums and sort of that hidden cause of the racism behind it. It was a brilliant three-part thing and we we actually FaceTimed with And the kids asked lots of questions about, you know, how he got interested in what he had learned. And his basic piece of information was that, you know, it's more important to understand the stories than the objects. And so that's what the kids were taking away from it. So they had to choose, you know, three other people's um, displays and connect it to their own, which the only way to do that is through the big ideas. So it kind of forced them to do it. And you've touched on this a little bit throughout, but what did the students learn about history as a discipline, as a profession through this project? Well, I think they were surprised to sort of find out that it was one, period. (laughs) They they thought it was just a course you had to take and that was that. Um, But yeah, (laughs) so what I said to them was like, you know, look at all the different paths. So, you know, we had an archaeologist come and talk to us. We had the director of the Norman Bessine Museum come and talk to us. We had um, Murray White, who's a journalist, but with a background in art and history, talk to us. So I think for them, it was just this idea that something that, you know, you may not see the information as being the job, but being able to think in those kinds of contexts can actually lead you into a very interesting and fulfilling career, I think, if you, you know, want to do anything with history and post-secondary work. And I'm always surprised by the number of them that come back and say that they, you know, they decided to take some history in their undergrad degree, even if it's just, you know, it doesn't have to even be a minor, but they get interested and they get hooked and then they start to realize there's a lot of potential um, jobs out there for people with that kind of a degree. For sure. And no doubt this project would spark that interest. Well, and yeah, and having some of the kids actually get jobs at the bassoon That's right. um, was pretty exciting. And then another one um, did, uh, of course, hockey, because we can't escape it. So there was hockey, and he did the Canada-Russia series in 1972 as his diorama, informed me that it would go to the Hockey Museum, the Hockey Hall of Fame. And he actually went down there to speak to one of the curators of their exhibits on goalie masks, to find out, you know, how he put together the exhibit. Because there's a huge, there's a lot of also information about, like, how are you going to draw people through? What are they going to stop and actually do? What's going to be interactive? What's going to be technology? So there's all these other kind of really interesting pieces about how to build this thing to make people want to move through it. Did you have a favorite part or moment of of this project the last time? Um, I'm always pretty excited to see the actual dioramas because... Mm. You know, having taught many grades in my career, little kids do their best, and, and so do their parents, and they produce some very nice things. But these, you know, 16-year-olds can, can really, especially some of them with an arty flair, who often don't always get to shine in, in some of the more academic courses where there's lots of reading and writing. Some of them are brilliant. They really they really look professional, and I, would, I just keep saying to them, like, you'd have no trouble selling this. You should go to the ROM. They'd be happy to see it. Right. So, uh, so I, I think that, you know, and they take pictures of each other's work and, and we invite the other history classes to come in and see. So uh, it's amazing what they, what they can produce. 
is there anything else that you wanted to add about this project that we didn't get to speak about or, or teaching history in general? Well, I think generally the, that role of the history teacher, is, to me, the idea is explaining the world around you. And even if you start the sentence with 1910, you know, you can still explain the world around the kids now. Like one of my students is Indigenous, and she basically was able to sort of curate the whole course so that it focused on her ancestry. And she was going through the process of trying to get her status because she she's actually from Bala and there's no there's no uh, way for her to get status through Bala because there's no reserve there. So we kind of went on that journey with her as she went through this process. And her uncle is quite well known and he's an author and he wrote um, a great fiction book called A Matter of Conscience and he basically took historical fact and built a fictional story around it and that's what that I think you need to do as a history teacher is, you know, figure out where the kids are in their lives and where they are sort of geographically and bring that to life with the content that you have to teach sort of curriculum-wise. Wonderful. Well, it sounds like you have an incredibly um, exciting classroom and engaged group of students, and they're so lucky to have you developing this, this type of work for them. So thank you for sharing it with us, and congratulations again on being a finalist for the award. You're very welcome. Thank you very much for, uh, for asking. Thank you for listening to the Canada's History Podcast. To learn more about the Governor General's History Awards, to nominate a teacher, or start an application, visit canadashistory.ca slash awards. <laughs> <laughs>